welcome back to the Innovator Podcast, the female entrepreneur series that dives into the stories of how women founders tackled hardship and difficulties to ultimately find success. My name is Erica Sullivan, and I am the host of the Innovator Podcast, and today I'm welcoming Kate Pearson. Kate is the host of the Apple Podcast top-rated show, She's Hungry. She's also a speaker, photographer, goal strategist, and founder of She's Hungry Co. She's Hungry is a series of real conversations with the people that are doing the darn thing to empower you with the tangible tools, tactics, and real-life takeaways to propel you from stuck to unstoppable and a life you're proud of. We jumped straight into the episode and talked about the importance of community, the power of pivoting, entrepreneurship, philanthropy, and a little bit of everything in between. So with that being said, Kate, welcome to the Innovator Podcast. That is in an age range that is more susceptible to catching this, and they are either having to still go out to work or they're, I mean, even going to the grocery store, that is weighing on you somewhere, even if you don't if you, if you don't even like cognitively recognize it. And I think that at any given time, that's why it's really important for us to, as individuals, to take it as kind of a responsibility to yourself to like take a step back. And when you're tired, just it's, it, even if you're like, I have no, if you have no cognitive reason to be tired, because I think that's what often, what we think about is like, I really, don't have any reason to be unmotivated or I don't have any reason to be tired or I don't have any reason to feel this way. Well, that's all well and good, but our brain and our subconscious is taking in so much and feeling so much. And there's a lot of things that are going on. And right now that, yeah, aren't cognitively, especially if you're a person like we, before we started recording, that's like pull up your bootstraps and get it done. Mm -hmm. You have this override of all of those things but if you're noticing that you're tired i think it's just part of your responsibility as a human if we're not even talking about health like let's talk about businesses closing and let's talk mm-hmm. about rent being due and let's like please don't I'm, i i just say this with the most love but please even if you are not directly affected by what is going on in your cognitive like conscious state please do not think that you are not affected on some subliminal level in some way. That's so important. And you know, I think it's good to be having this conversation because I got asked the other day, um, someone asked me, okay, you've recorded podcast episodes a couple weeks out. So what do you do to edit your podcast episodes once you've already recorded it? That's like addressing this. What if you guys talk about in a podcast episode, going to a concert, going to the grocery store and getting this? Are you giving the wrong impression of what you're actually doing. And I was like, no, that's why it's so important to talk about this with your podcast guests. So people know that it is affecting you just as much as it's affecting everyone else. And that if a podcast was recorded early, you have to say, hey, you know, this was recorded before this happened. Please remember, like you said, to, you know, be hyper aware of what's going on and how this affects other people. But I'm just glad we had the opportunity to, you know, first off, have a conversation before we jump into um, your story. So I'm actually going to go ahead and get us started on, you know, learning a little bit about your story and really welcoming you to the podcast. My first question is, I want you to start us at the very beginning. I always think this question is fascinating to have people start us at the beginning of their story and really take us through how they got where they are today. So what was your early life like and how has your story evolved to get you where you are today? 
So I thank you so much for having me on the show, first and foremost. And yeah, I think what you said, just acknowledge that a little is really important. Again, coming back to having just some grace with each other right now during this time is like, just because we have grace and we lean into what's going on right now, doesn't mean that we're not like, doesn't negate our awareness or the severity or the bigger picture and the amount of service that we're trying to have for the community and put out there. We're just doing our best and we're humans just like everyone else. So I want to just say, I acknowledge you for saying that and to standing up to that point of view. Cause I think that that's a common thing in the podcasting community that's going on right now. So, um, but my life, uh, I'm, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm out in Portland, Oregon right now. So I moved out here four years ago, but in my early life, I grew up with a bunch of boys and, um, I have an older half sister, but she's much older than I am. So I, I spent a grand amount of my time hanging around boys when I was a little girl. And, um, I grew up in a pretty, like, I would say mildly conservative, not like super conservative, but mildly conservative Lutheran household and grew up in a family that was like, rub some dirt on it, pull your bootstraps up, get it done kind of thing. Don't half-ass anything. And um, I've taken that a lot to heart. I was an athlete, which I think is when, when we talk about this kind of subject was a big, uh, just it's the foundation of everything that I've done throughout my entire life is being an athlete. And I take a lot of that same mentality. And I think anybody who is ambitious and if you are an if you are an athlete or you um, during your formative years were an athlete, there is so much, especially at some kind of elite level, there's so much about the mentality of being an athlete that uh, you carry into your ambitions and your goals. And especially if you're an entrepreneur, it's it's a very similar mindset of just being comfortable, getting uncomfortable all the time and stretching and growing in that way. And I started playing soccer when I was nine. I became very good at playing soccer. And when I was 16 years old, I went to a soccer camp in North Carolina at the University of North Carolina. And the camp was hosted by um, the top soccer coach, women's soccer coach um, in the country at the time. His name was Anson Dorrance. And I went to that camp and he recognized me and potentially signed me on with a contract for a half scholarship when I graduated high school um, four years later. And that was like the biggest, most pivotal moment of my entire like young life. Because when you work so hard at something and then you get recognized in that way, it just completely changed my life. And I felt for the first time, like I really belonged somewhere because I was never really, I didn't have like a whole lot of confidence when I was a kid. Um, I didn't like have a whole lot of girlfriends, so I didn't uh, like feel like I really fit in there, but obviously I'm a girl, so I don't really fit in with the boys. So soccer for me was like, I belong here. And when you have that kind of validation at the age of 16, that you are good enough, they project that you're gonna be good enough to play in a division one soccer team by the time that you graduate high school, which was four years away, like that feels like you just won the Nobel prize or something. I mean, it was incredible. And, um, but what happened is three months later, uh, while I was playing in another tournament for a different club team that I was on, I tore my ACL. And one of the stipulations was for our contract was that if I had like a season ending injury that like pretty much the whole agreement was null and void. So it, 
kind of ripped every single thing I had wanted and dreamed about away from me at a very early age. But I, I go back to that point in my life and I mean, I was devastated. Like I can't begin to tell you, I didn't know who I was anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really devastating, but at the same time, um, going through rehabilitation, I tried very hard to rehab very progressively to get myself back into soccer playing shape by the spring season, but it just realistically wasn't going to happen. We are, we always have choices and we always, depending on how we view those choices, the power of our brain, we're always given opportunities to rise above the circumstances that we're given, but it was, but I couldn't unsee in myself the power of those choices and that soccer no longer defined me as the person that could only do soccer, but I was much stronger than that. And that what, and like in the face of adversity, I chose to rise above it and make choices that really made an impact and made me feel good. And that was kind of like, it's building that resiliency and that's kind of just translated into my whole life. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the story of athletics is so important and that's why they tell young kids to, you know, play soccer, play a team sport, get active, because not only is it one, you know, getting getting the kids out of the house so the parents can breathe, but two, it's teaching you so much about being mentally strong and tough and having resilience. So when did you, you know, really pivot to where you are now with She's Hungry Co. So you talk about soccer and building that resilience. So really, how did that translate into when you started your company? I mean, obviously we can see how many tangible skills you were able to take, but was that an easy translation for you to build that into a company? So I think that I love this question because it doesn't make any sense. And I think that that's all, or I mean, it it does make sense, but it doesn't make any sense because for me, there were so many pivots in my life and so many hard choices um like going through high school there was so much adversity that i was that came up for me whether it was through soccer and just going through that whole identity crisis and it shifted a lot for me yeah then just like going into college and originally thought that i wanted to go to school um like far 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 away from my family um but then through a bunch of like really tough choices and because I started dating a guy which I think so many people think this is really like it's we carry so much shame in these stories as women but I chose the college I wanted to go to based on the dude I was dating which is like 101 what you're not supposed to do um and my dad still makes fun of me about it today but honestly like I have no I have no shame and I have no whatever like we should not be ashamed of any part of our story Mm -hmm. and that decision again, changed so much for me. And so the progression of, okay, then going to school and my idea originally was I wanted to be an actress in Hollywood. So I tell this story at 16, when I like all this stuff was happening with soccer, I told my dad that I wanted to be an actress because I wanted to make enough money to build libraries in third world countries. And so um, when I went to college, I like originally didn't want to go to college because I just wanted to move out to Hollywood. Obviously I had an opportunity because my mom's business where I knew an assistant director in Hollywood. So essentially I had like pretty much a shoe in to the industry already, which is pretty huge for anybody that knows anything about the industry. It's more about the people, you know, and uh, yeah. And so I was like, I really just don't want to go to college. I want to move out there. And my dad was like, no, like even if you just go to college for your backup plan, you need to do that. So 
I had to like pivot into this idea of going to college and I never really felt um, like I really fit in there at first. Um, and it, it, again, I think that, and then I got into a relationship while I was in college, a different relationship while I was in college that um, really had to make me get really clear about my life and what it is that I really wanted. I had to choose me and I had to pivot again and move back home and think that I, it was just the progression of my life was just evaluating what it is that I wanted more than what I, what I had right now. And it just became a progression of pivots and trusting my intuition to lead me to where it is that I needed to go for what it is that I wanted to do in life at any given time, which again was just a ton of pivots in itself. It was acting. And then when I spent time in Hollywood, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I then went to school for photography and uh, even in photography, like there's these different kinds of genres, there's weddings, there's commercial photography, there's editorial photography, there's news photography. But I, and I tried to do so many of them, but I ended up landing on food, which was actually um, like food and beverage and brand photography, which is actually not even in the curriculum that they taught me. So it was like, again, pivoting to something that I just felt like was speaking to me and that I needed to do, which then brought me out here. I mean, there's like a bunch of stuff in between here, but then brought me out here to Portland. And when I came out here to Portland, I wanted to get break into the food industry to photograph food photography at restaurants. And I started going to networking events to like meet people and to connect with people. But I'm a person that I need. I like depth. Like I don't surface level conversations. I won't, I don't even know how to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and again, when you have to pivot in your life, you build resilience. And it's this cognitive level of choosing again that when I got out here to Portland and got shut down so many times because I was just different, like I was just passionate about larger things like community building. And I wanted a place to where I felt like I belonged again. And I hadn't felt that way for a pretty long time as I'm doing all of these pivots. But what I, what I built was resilience. And so when I got out here to Portland and I felt like I didn't belong anywhere again and that everybody thought that I was just weird because I wanted to talk, I didn't want to go to a networking event and have a transactional experience. Like, what can you give me? What can I get from you kind of thing? I'm like, how do we really build community that matters where people feel like they can show up just as who they are with their life experience? And that's going to be enough to get them a seat at the table. Like, what would that really look like? And because that's what I, those are the events I want to go to. And those are the people that I want to meet. And I just decided that I wasn't going to give up on that idea. And I, again, started working in tons of different jobs out here, building my side hustle, which was my photography business at the time. And um, about three years into it, I was working the dream job at an agency here in Portland, which I thought, and She's Hungry was not even a thing at the time. Um, but this idea of belonging and the fact that I didn't have a lot of money and I feel like money it just, it's the underlying currency to every conversation when you're talking with anybody about business. It's like, how much money do you have? Can you invest in my program? Can you, I don't know, like, or, or referrals, like, can you refer somebody else to me in like a BNI group or something like that? And I, when I moved out here, I didn't have any money and I didn't know anyone. So it was like, oh, you don't belong here. You're a misfit toy. Like you don't 
you don't like have any value essentially is what it felt like everybody was saying to me, but I knew that to be different because you don't go through and keep choosing to be resilient and not have value, like and not have something to give. And I just couldn't believe that I didn't belong anywhere. And I was like, if I, I'm not the only one that feels like this. I cannot be the only one that feels like this. Like there are so many people that are struggling with money out there, but that doesn't mean that they don't have anything to give. There are so many people that are struggling in their relationships that are struggling with where they fit in, that are struggling with X, Y, Z. There, there's a place for us somewhere. I don't know where it is yet, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to find it. And again, it wasn't until, um, I was working at the job that checked all the boxes of like everything that you're supposed to want in your life as like a, a 27 year old. Like I had a full-time paying job doing the thing that I went to college for uh, like just all of this stuff and with health insurance and PTO. And, and I still, it, there was something inside of me that was like, this is not it. And I couldn't tell anyone because every time I tried to be honest, somebody was like, you have the best job what is your problem? And I thought it was me. I thought I was broken. And so I tried to get more grateful and have a meditative practice and get, do more exercise and just all of these things journal and all, all of that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, but none of it fixed me. And it wasn't until I stumbled upon an event that I went to and, and it, that was the first time I ever said I wanted to be a public speaker. And I wanted to help people because I felt like I just had something to say. And that was the first time I was honest. And it was like when the universe finally, it felt like it nodded at me. Like, finally, like, mm -hmm. finally, you said it out loud. This thing that you've been chasing after for four years, this idea of belonging and community. And how do you bring them together? Like through your voice, through this, this thing that you believe in through telling the story. Thank you for finally acknowledging it. I was fired from my job two weeks later. And um, it was really, really weird uh, because it wasn't supposed to be that kind of conversation at my meeting. It was supposed to be an entirely different conversation. And for whatever reason, I got out of my car to walk into that meeting at the time. And I was like, I know that you feel like intuitively, I just felt some sort of weird way. And I just said to myself out loud, like a crazy person on the side of the street getting out of their car, like you are exactly where you need to be right now. And mm -hmm. less than 20 minutes later, I was fired from my job. But, and essentially that's when the podcast had first started. Um, it was in the very beginning stages. So it was like May of 2018. And uh, I started the podcast because I couldn't deny this voice in me anymore. I couldn't stop exploring this idea of more because I had to believe that if I was feeling this way, again, there are other people that needed to know that if they were feeling this way too, they weren't alone. And that through this, all this pivoting and this resilience and all of these things that had brought me here. And essentially my boss had sat down with me that morning and said, Hey, we listened to your podcast and we just don't think that you're, you're in alignment with the future of our company. And so we have to let you go. And it only just became that much more clear to me that this was the work that I was supposed to do because the universe and God or whatever you believe in and higher power just decided this is what needed to be. This is what needed to be done. And this is what needed to get, I needed to get space to explore this thing. And um, I kind of just like dove into it. I started interviewing people on the podcast with their impossible stories 
in the Impossible Story series was pretty much how the podcast really took off in the beginning. And and She's Hungry Co. essentially came from, it's yeah, like the She's Hungry Collective. It's this idea that we are all hungry for more. But it's funny, the name actually originated when my parents came to visit me out here in Portland. And my dad was trying to talk to me about my next career pivot choice or what it is that I wanted to do. And my mom and I were actually discussing whether or not we were going to have dessert before dinner. And I was ignoring my father because I was so hungry. And I was just like, just came from the idea that I kept ignoring him at dinner. And I was choosing between food, which obviously was a huge like foundation of like why I came out here to Portland and why I was out here. And my dad's talking to me about my life and all of these like options that I have and like all of these new explorations and things like that. And my dad was like, I can't, why are you ignoring me? And my mom just looked at him and was like, Eric, she's hungry. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it was like everything that I knew to be true about myself came full circle and like smacked me right in the face. And it was, it was really about that. It's like all, it's just more. It's more, whether it's food, whether it's it's culture, whether it's life, whether it's resilience, whether it's just it's experience, that there's more. And I think that there are so many people out there that feel the very same way, but we don't have the community that cultivates the, that line of questioning for ourselves in mm-hmm. really authentic and transparent ways. And for me, it was like, I think that's the thing I was born to do. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about the power of pivot. And I think sharing your story is a great way to show how that can work in life. And I think sometimes people think pivoting means that you're choosing between two great options. And what people need to recognize is the fact that pivoting is used to take your life on a new trajectory when you don't know what the path looks like. So I love that you knew that something was missing. You just had to figure out what it was. And your mission was so community driven. So they say for entrepreneurs, I'm sure you've heard the quote before that if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to find a need. And it sounds like with your podcast and with your community that you were building, you were sharing that with other people who needed it, who felt the exact same way you did. And, you know, you tell your story, but now I'm looking at the stats that your podcast was rated in the top 200 self-help podcasts for 2019 on Apple Podcasts. And I mean, that's incredible to hear that journey and to hear all these successes now. I also read that and it was listened to by over 18 countries worldwide and downloaded over 10,000 times. Like you cannot say that you're not where you need to be right now. And and you're giving that opportunity to others to have this community. Yeah. I mean, like as you, I've never, I don't think I've ever told my story in such completion before. And it actually, like, as we sit here and I kind of, I don't know, as an entrepreneur and I, and, or just like as a business owner or just as a person in today's world um, and what we're going through especially right now we're we're moving like we're always thinking forward and i don't think a lot of us hold a lot of space for what we have done or how far we have come and i mean just recalling my story in such detail and like i said in such completion it almost makes me kind of emotional because it's mm-hmm. like because it does it matters to me so much everything that you just said it's it's the fact that everyone like humans humans have these basic needs to feel like loved and feel connected and feel like we belong and feel seen. Like we want to feel safe and we want to feel seen. Mm -hmm. Those are the things. And like seen, I mean, like we want to feel like we belong. We want to feel recognized. We want to feel whole. 
and we want to feel accepted in that wholeness. And I, from the youngest age, like I said, in the very beginning of my story is that soccer was that place that held me until the day that it didn't. And I had to choose again, again, it's not, it's what you just said is so brilliant. It's not about looking at the greater, like the two options and picking the greater one. It's looking at the two options and deciding to move in the direction that's going to make you come more alive. And no matter what I didn't know about my life or where it was going to lead me, I knew that when I had those two options sitting in front of me, I needed to get curious about the place in me that needed more, that needed to come more alive. And like, nobody understood why I moved out here to Portland. I didn't know a single person. I have like two months rent to my name and didn't have a job, barely had an apartment. I sat in the lobby of my apartment building, my first apartment building here in Portland for almost two hours crying because I didn't have the keys and they had to finally like qualify the paperwork and get the paperwork pushed through before they give me the keys. And I think I actually would have sat there longer had the landlord not felt completely bad for me at the time. Um, because I was like, what did I do? Like, I don't even have a place to stay. I don't know anyone out here. But um, I sat in my apartment that night and my first purchase was a, a wine glass and a bottle of wine. And I cried so hard because I had no idea what I was doing. But I knew somewhere inside of me that this felt like the next right thing for me. And I knew that there was something, like I had to believe that that was gonna lead me somewhere. And I think that somewhere along the way, all of us get really disconnected from that truth within us. And my mission in life is to hold space for you and like my coaching and everything that I'm I'm working into and leaning into right now is this idea that when we hold space for people to tell their truth and when you feel what it feels like inside of you like physically inside of you to say something that excites you out loud to talk about your dream out loud like your most wildest dream out loud and to allow yourself that excitement, that space to inside of you, people can't unfeel that. Like that is enough to sit at the table. That is so much more than enough because most people go their entire lives and never get curious about what their truth is or what more looks like for them. I couldn't stop getting curious about that feeling of just finally just it's incredible. And then just be really held in that community during that event for people to be like, yeah, that's the thing you were meant to do. Like, that's the thing, you can see it all over your face. And when you get that kind of reassurance in a community that wants to acknowledge and hold that space for you, it is completely life-changing. And I'm like, how do I just create that space? There are people all over the world that at the end of the day, we are just people that want to feel safe and want to feel seen. And we just need, I think as leaders, how do we just cultivate more spaces for people to feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. And when you were just telling your story, I had a huge flashback to reading Rachel Hollis's first book, Girl, Wash Your Face, when she talks about, I think it was, I think it was in that book or it was on her podcast when she was talking about writing her first book and she was so excited and she was turned down by publisher after publisher because they said it was too cute. You know, it isn't what the yeah. market is. And she's like, no, this is like, like you were saying, this is my truth. This is what I want to give out to the world. And she said she went home, she cried, she drank a glass of wine, and she went and searched on Google how to self-publish a book, 
right? So it yeah. is about making your story a reality for you. It does not matter what anyone else says, what anyone else does. Like you talk about the power of pivot. And I mean, I think that's going to be the title of this podcast episode now, because we're really basing our conversation off of it. But it is so crazy to hear the stories and people think that entrepreneurship's easy. They think that building a company is easy. And I was like, you do not know the blood, sweat and tears that happens behind the scenes that people overcome to get where they are. Absolutely. I think I, like I, I said this earlier and I'll say it again, entrepreneurship is the greatest self-development journey of your life because here's the thing every day when you go, when anybody goes to a job, like you essentially you have somebody else that's telling you what to do. And uh, even if you don't think it's like the right thing or you don't think it's a good idea or you don't think whatever, like you don't have a whole lot of say in that. Or even if you do, I mean, at the end of the day, the buck doesn't stop with you. It stops with somebody else. But entrepreneurship, when you take a leap on your own idea or your own and your own belief system, that's why I said like, I think it's such a great, it's a great thing that like social media has allowed so many different just social media or whatever has allowed so many different opportunities for people to get creative with their futures um, and what they look like. But also I think it's also really important to sit back and think about why you're doing it and figuring out. And I, I think it's really important at the end of the day for some something to come from a place of service um, to like the greater population because we need each other now more than ever. And, but entrepreneurship in itself is the idea that you sit down every day and you make, and you're, you're guessing with the best intentions on what it is that you think is the next right choice for your business. And you are constantly being bombarded with your own self-doubt, with your own like perfectionism, self-sabotage, comparison. You are constantly every single day being bombarded by, by that, whether you like to believe it or not. I heavily believe in training your conscious mind so that your subconscious mind follows suit. It's very, again, it just comes down to choices. And I actually was reading in a book, which book was that? I was reading in a book recently that um, it's, our brain is actually really, so um, not to get on too much of another tangent, but uh, the amygdala is actually the place in your brain that wants to keep you safe. It's like your keep, keep you safe and small, but like, I mean, it's important and it was, it, it's important for when we were back in like caveman times and things were like bad um, and you want to get chased by a bear. Like that was your amygdala saying, no, you need to run. But because we don't have those kinds of circumstances anymore, um, we have our prefrontal cortex, which is actually the place where our like um, dreams, like vision for our lives, like that's where that lives. And the stimulus that when you like, say whatever it is that your dream is out loud or like the thing the goal that you have or something that would be really exciting to kind of bring forth into your life the prefrontal cortex cortex is actually the place that it's the response to that and like it's that excitement it's that like it, it responds in a really chemical way and like the neurons in that part of your brain respond when you think about vision and your goals well the thing is when you just think about them or visualize doing them, that's why the power of like visualization is so big is because when you visualize them and that kind of the synapses that go off in your brain are the same exact things that happen when you actually accomplish the thing. 
So that's how powerful it can be. And actually because of our brains being so uh, just powerful in the way that they are, that kind of saying of like, if you use, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. Well, if you feed into the place in your amygdala more often, so you let it stop you, you let it like condition you to stay small and stay safe. And I say safe, I mean like stay stagnant in your life. You are actually um, like training your, you're losing the power of the the prefrontal cortex. And so that part of your brain, your amygdala will actually grow the amount of synapses and connectors will actually grow in the amygdala because that's the part that you're keep, you keep leaning into. And that that's the part that you keep leaning on essentially in how you live your life. But if you make conscious choices every day to create new ideas or create vision, that's why, again, going back to kind of what I feel so passionate about in, in creating vision for your life and what I coach on and what I teach people with, with my clients is the idea that like, even if in in just like a small way every day you project, you project into the place that allows you to dream, to get really ambitious, to get really big, you are then consciously creating more connections physically in your prefrontal cortex. And it will become easier to lean into that versus your amygdala the more that you use it yeah i think we can literally film an entire episode about you know entrepreneurship and what goes on behind the scenes and what's happening in your brain when that all happens because i think that's so fascinating and i think i i want to read the book if you can figure out what it is and let me know i'm gonna read that because i think it's like i'm literally like pulling it up right now oh it's called the 12 week year the 12 week year. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually a really great book for entrepreneurs because instead of thinking, and like, I mean, I think anybody in general, because it talks about like we, at the beginning of the year, we all set out like new year's resolutions or we set out goals for our business or goals for ourselves. but it's really hard to project like things 12 months out and 365 days out. And so it actually just breaks everything down into these 12, into 12 weeks and setting like personal goals or business goals for yourself for 12 week periods. Um, and then milestones. It's really, it's a really great book because it talks a lot about how your brain operates. Like, I mean, obviously, and just not just like what you do. I'm, I don't really like a whole lot of things and in my business and in my coaching and everything like that. I, I'm like, anybody can give you the how like how to launch a podcast, how to do this. Like I can tell you step one, step two, step three to get your show out there. But at the end of the day, that's not gonna make you feel inspired to sit down and keep going. You have to figure out not only your why for everybody else, but why for you. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to kind of like walk through those brain patterns, but this book goes over it really, really well. Yeah, awesome. I'm going to include that in the show notes as well. So if anyone else is interested, um, and you know, kind of this conversation sparked curiosity, you guys can check it out as well. Um, but I also wanted to switch gears a little bit because you talked a little bit about, you know, when you were younger and telling your dad that you wanted to become an actress in Hollywood in order to help third world countries. And I think that's a great this is a great time to talk about the philanthropic efforts that are included with She's Hungry. So at She's Hungry Co, I see that 10% of everything you do goes back to philanthropic efforts. Um, so can you talk a little bit about this philanthropy and why it was important for you to include in your business model? Yeah. So, I mean, I've always felt really passionate about, obviously, like 
philanthropy and just giving back to, um, again, I, I view it as like giving back to stories we know nothing about. Like I don't, it's, it's the idea that I'm never gonna be able to talk to everybody in the world. I'm never gonna be able to make them feel like seen or heard, or I'm not gonna be able to do that for every single person out there. It's just not possible. But if there's a way that I can help facilitate, whether it's through service in, I don't know, it doesn't always have to be money, but I mean, for in this circumstance it is, but it's just the idea of like, if you can give back to somebody who also believes in giving back, and you can give back to causes that believe in giving back, then it's kind of like you're, you can visualize yourself like touching the world in a way. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, it started out with the, I mean, it, a really large part of it started out with the wine club essentially. And that's my friend, uh, Heather Rader. She has a vineyard called Spirit Horse Vineyards. And through our wine club and through like our partnership there, So the wine club is called She's Thirsty. And uh, it was that there's a riding center in the Napa Valley that they rescue second chance horses. So if anybody knows anything about horses, usually like if they have a job when they're, they're like when they're born, they have like a job that they do. And when they can no longer do that job, it's really expensive to keep a horse that doesn't do its job anymore. So a lot of them are euthanized or things like that. And it's like hard for me to even talk about, but um, so this riding center in um, it's actually an American Canyon, uh, California, they rescue these horses and then they use them in these uh, leadership. They're basically like confidence building and leadership building uh, programs for children that are struggling in that area of California. So there's like, whether they're in the foster system or they're just like having a tough time at school or they're whatever, like it is, they um, can get into this writing pro or this like leadership and writing program to kind of go through this program with the horses because horses are so like deeply um, intuitive creatures. And it's, it's just really amazing to see But so when we started the wine club, I said that I really wanted to be able to give back to this writing center because, because a kid with a dream, those are the people that are going to change the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, a a child that really believes in something that's maybe they weren't given in their life, like outside of their three mile radius or four mile or five mile or 10 mile radius. That is their life. Like some people never leave the place that they're born And it's probably, and I mean, that happens here in the United States, but I can't even imagine how often that happens for kids that, I mean, out there they could, they have the capacity or they have the, the, everything in them to be the next person that like cures cancer. But if we don't help facilitate that kind of brain structure or like that kind of dreaming, we may never know. And it just feels really important to kind of give back to creating more opportunities or facilitating more opportunities for people. But also I obviously feel pretty passionate about kids, like the opportunity to tap into what I'm trying to create in the She's Hungry Collective, like from an earlier age, like Mm -hmm. there are just skills that and opportunities of of ways of thinking and like perspectives that I think are just really important to start creating at younger and younger ages. I was like talking, I met somebody 
actually when I went down to the writing center um, last year in 2019, um, I met one of the kids that went through the program. I read stories of like all the kids that go through the program. And I mean, you can't help but just cry. Like, yeah, just, I'm sore. Oh my gosh. Like just like what the, just the difference that they're making in like confidence alone in these kids is just remarkable. And to be able to say like you, so for every person that joins the wine club, eight people, eight wine club signups to put one kid through camp. Yeah. And the wine club as well. That's something that we'll link down in the show notes below too. Cause when I was looking through your website, I saw that and I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to check that out a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 again, it's just really fun. It's fun to be able to partner. So Heather Rader of Spirit Horse Vineyards, she is a woman owned winery or a woman owned vineyard and um, women owned in the wine industry, despite the fact that we are the most prominent wine drinkers um that women are like very marginalized in the wine community as far as like um winemakers or winery or vineyard owners and it was so the wine club is really cool in a sense that all of the wine shipments that you get are all from um women either women-owned wineries or women winemakers um so and they can be shipped anywhere and you're not only just giving back, so every percentage goes to the, like I said, the writing center um, to put a, to help a child go through the program, but then also you're supporting women and wine, which mm -hmm. is also really cool and really, it just, it just makes me so happy. Yes, <laughs> I was already signed up when it said uh, a wine club. And now that I know that it's women owned, operated, and you know, you're giving back to children who need it. I'm just even more, I mean, I I really don't need any kind of external motivation when it comes to wine, but that is, yeah. a, <laughs> that is definitely awesome. <laughs> so I know we already talked about one book that you were reading and really interested in, but what is another book resource podcast that you love and want to share with the audience? Oh my God. When you sent me this email and about this question, I was like, there's so many. Um, it's just so many. The one thing that I, I admire about um, myself and that I really enjoy doing is that I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly just uh, I like listening to podcasts, just all the things. And um, recently, if I had to pick one, uh, because there's so many, at least books, I read so many books. Um, but if I had to pick one recently that has really changed my life and anybody who listens to my podcast um, or I don't know, follows me on Instagram or anything like that. You've heard about this book so many times already, but I'm going to talk about it again. Um, it's Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And this book, so to tie it back into my story, her first book is called Carry On Warrior. And I finished that book on the flight here to Portland when I moved here for the first time. And I genuinely think that that book is the reason that I um, didn't quit the first year I moved to Portland. I used, that book is about resilience and about, yeah, just like, I don't know, just kind of discovering and being who you are. And um, the first year of moving out here was pretty a pretty rough year. I could talk about that all in itself, but that book got me through. I genuinely really believe that. And uh, Glennon is the biggest, she's like one of the greatest truth tellers of our life. 
of our society. Um, I think everyone should follow her on Instagram too, because she's such a human and she makes you feel seen and heard and honored in all of the ways that I like, she's like my hero a little bit, but she just recently came out with a book uh, a couple of months ago and it's called Untamed. And essentially it's about women uh, coming back to ourselves and being who we who we are actually born to be before the world told us who we needed to be to fit in. It just nails it and nails it right on the head. Like every single word you read, you're like, oh my, it's like looking in the mirror for the very first time and seeing yourself. From all the amazing book recommendations I've gotten from people who have come on the podcast, I think I have to start a book club because I have a total list now of like 30 books that I need to read. And this one definitely yes. went on it as well. Yeah, it's in, it's truly, it's remarkable. I highly recommend any woman reading it. Yep, it's so important during this time where we have, I mean, there really isn't that much to do, right? Other than working, there's not that much to do. So I normally don't read during the academic year because I'm so busy. So I'm finishing out my senior year of college and I just, I just don't have time to read. And what I started doing as soon as quarantine started is I started reading again. And I yes. forgot how important that is for me to continually be learning and not be stagnant. And I missed it so much. Right. It's just, it's so, yeah. I mean, I, I read uh, last year in 2019, I, I read 20 books and I had a, a goal this year to read 40. And in the beginning of the year, I got so caught up in so many other things that I like essentially just dropped off the reading game. And uh, since I, I mean, looking for gratitude in the, this time of crazy is like, I've gotten back so much into reading and I've read so many just incredible books and I've started, I'm also like a chronic book starter and then I will get distracted by a new book and mm -hmm. then I will re start reading that book too. So I have like 72 books started also, but I'm, I'm learning so many new things about it. And I just think that that's, it's such a great opportunity. So lastly, this is my last question is where can the audience find you? Yeah. So I hang out on Instagram all the time. Um, I love Instagram because other than the podcast, which um, if you, you can also find me hanging out there on Tuesdays and Fridays. That's when the episodes come out. Um, it's the She's Hungry podcast. But other than the podcast, I'm always on Instagram because I'm so, so lucky and so fortunate that by growing this audience and uh, the kind of relationships that we've built through the podcast that I get to interact with a lot of people that listen to the podcast on Instagram. So it feels like just, I don't know. It's, it's like when you have a conversation with people and then, I don't know, it's just cool. That's where the, all of the relationships are extended. So I hang out there quite often and on Instagram it's at she's hungry co. And um, I'm rebranding all of she's hungry collective uh, that will be happening in the next couple of weeks. It is, a process but um but i'm really excited about it because there'll be a podcast course that's coming out and then so then you'll be able to contact me and learn all about like the coaching opportunities and things like that uh on my website too which will be um she's hungry co.com uh but right now it's in the middle of a, a rebrand so just stay tuned for that that's <laughs> so exciting i saw um like when I was kind of looking through your website, I saw that there were a couple things beginning in 2020 and I was like, oh, okay, I'm excited to see what she's working on. Um, oh, it's huge. <laughs> so 
I'm so excited. Well, you're going to definitely have to keep us posted along the way. But Kate, thank you so much for coming on today and taking the time amidst all this crazy craziness to, um, you know, sit down and talk and have an honest, real and raw conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Like I said, I I love what you do because, and I love the kind of conversation that you facilitate because I, I think not all conversations are created equal. And when you have people that step into uh, having a conversation that is, that are willing to go there and to get honest and just asking better questions, asking curious questions about people and their lives, like those are the kind, kinds of conversations that, I'm a huge fan of, and I think that you are, you just, I'm so grateful to be able to just share my life and my story and what I've known and what I've like gathered over the years here. And I appreciate the fact that you ask those questions. So thank you so much for having me and being the person that you are showing up in your space and willing to do that. Thank you for listening to the Innovator Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star review. If you know someone that would be a perfect fit for this podcast that I should interview, please email me at theinnovatorpod at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at theinnovatorpod. Please take care of one another and practice social distancing, and we'll see you next week on The Innovator Podcast.